For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill After, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Talking Sass and thank you guys so much for joining me. You know what, I have another badass guest lined up for today and I can't wait to talk to her. But before we do, let's talk about Patreon.com slash Sassy Steffi. Now for the month of March, I am running a special. That's right, for the month of March only, you go and sign up at the Oso Sassy tier or higher, you're going to get a follow back from me on Instagram and on Twitter. So make sure you go and subscribe today. And the reason why I say today is because next week is my birthday and for all tiers on my Patreon, I am scheduling a Zoom call for my birthday so we can kick back, shoot the shit a little bit and have some fun. So make sure you go, like I said, today and subscribe to patreon.com slash sassysteffi. You can also follow along on Instagram and on Twitter. And of course, that's at sassysteffi as well. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform or you are watching on YouTube, don't forget to go and hit that subscribe button so that you never miss a second of Talking Sass and never missing a second of this interview with my badass guest that I have. She is a model. She is an actress. She is a retired professional wrestler. She has a podcast. You might know her as Ariel from ECW, which of course that was WWE's brand of ECW. You might recognize her as Selena from TNA when she was with LAX. Personally, I know her as Shelly Martinez, one of my VOC Nation sisters. So make sure you go and check out uh, Shelly's podcast at VOCNation.com. It's Shelly Live, so check it out because she is awesome. But, of course, Shelly has so many great stories to tell, and I can't wait to share them with you. So here she is. Hi, Shelly. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. How about you? Good. I, we were talking, of course, for previous to this, as I do with everybody, but it's been about 10 years since I think I've seen you. I know, and you look so awesome. Let me tell you something. What are you, a movie star over here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I live in Canada now. You're the one in L.A. <laughs> well, but you look, you look beautiful as well. I love the flower in the hair. Oh, thank you. <laughs> awesome. It's very, like, I feel like summer vibes in me. I'm freezing down here in Canada. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, it's so funny because being in California, especially Southern California, uh, we do get that weather, you know, and sometimes – we think it's freezing, and it's like other people are like, no, dude, this this is not cold at all. <laughs> oh, I'm sure what is probably coat weather for you is like tank top and flip flop weather for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. 
but it's all good. I love. I haven't been to LA in so long. I miss it so much. Maybe after this COVID thing's done, I'll come hang out with you for like a week or so. That would be awesome. Isn't it crazy how like the world just like effing changed like that? Yeah, it's funny because I was actually having a discussion with my husband. He went on a little trip the other day and actually got stuck in another city like two hours away because of a snowstorm that came and hit that he didn't realize was coming. And he was like, oh, this is my first time staying in a hotel since COVID. And I was like, wow, I haven't stayed in a hotel in almost three years. Like, because being in Canada and stuff, I wasn't traveling as much. So I'm like, holy crap. It's like hard to believe. Like, I don't even know what it would be like to go to a hotel anymore for like an overnight stay. But here's the thing. You paid your dues and spent your enough time and hours of your life in a hotel. Like, I, I feel like that's how I feel. It's like, you know, I know a lot of people are like, you know, getting antsy that they can't travel and things like that. And that sucks. But um, for me, I'm just like, man, that be, that was such a part of my life for so long. Like, I am fine not being in an airport. I am fine, like, not being in an airplane, in a hotel, like. No, I'm good. <laughs> but not everyone has that experience. Definitely. I I love the whole traveling aspect of it, obviously. But, like, for me, I got my, – my child's almost two. So for a whole year, I was on maternity leave from work because that's one of the benefits of being in Canada, which is fantastic. And then, like, I went back to the office for two weeks, and then COVID happened, and we've been close since. So, like, pretty much for almost two years straight, I've been stuck in the house for the most part. So, it's like, I would love to see something other than these four walls <laughs> that are in the time. <laughs> Especially when you're so used to traveling and seeing different parts of the world. But, you know, I'm happy, I'm safe, I'm healthy, and so is my family, and so is everybody that I know, thank God, knock on wood. So... That's good. How is your family? I haven't even seen your sister in a long time. I know you guys I know. everything that you guys do together. Um, good. You know, right now it's kind of a very transitional time in our household. Uh, I had a mentor, Fred Mertz, and he passed away only two weeks tomorrow. And he was good. If he would have lived to July, he would have been 21 years old. So it's like... It's a weird feeling because he was in my life. Like, I got him when I was 20 years old. Like, that's nuts to me. And when I first started wrestling and, like, that whole journey, he was there. And then, like, when my grandma passed away, like, there was Fred. And then when his wife, Ethel, passed away, there was Fred. <clears throat> and um, so it's weird in our house, but it's, like, even weirder because, what am I supposed to think he's going to live forever? Like, that's a long time. And mm -hmm. so it's like this weird feeling because it wasn't like this terrible, horrible thing. It was just he was old, you know, and then, like, we had to say goodbye. So it was, like, the best situation you could possibly get. So it's weird. It's almost like I don't know how to feel. So we're just kind of going through it, but I just love um, that we had this to do because doing things like this, keeping me busy – and things like that, and just being around positive people and feeding off that energy has been so helpful. So just a weird time here, but we're getting through. Oh, I know. I saw when you posted pictures, I felt so bad. Like, And I was looking back to uh, your Instagram, too, just kind of, you know, doing my research that I do on everybody. And I was just looking at all these pictures of your dog, and I was like, 
oh, the poor little guy. But you're right. He lived a full life. You got to, you know, give him the best life possible as a, as a pet mom. So it's good. You know, you can be it proud is, that he lived a full it, life. And I should, but, like, it doesn't make me feel better. It's just oh, a know. weird, this whole weird thing. Because it's, like, when I start feeling that, like, that almost, like, why did this have to, it's, like, well, because it has to happen. He was old. Like, not many people get that. Like, some people don't even get their pet for a couple years if, like, something ugly happens. Like, mm-hmm. I live by the mountains, so it's the coyotes and things like that. So it's, like, I'm so blessed. But it's almost, like. I don't know. It, it's just weird. It's weird. But anyways. <laughs> but you said you, you had him through your whole wrestling career. And, of course, that's what I want to talk to you about, too, of course. So let's start back, way back in the day. You were part of WWE as far as their developmental. And then you got brought up into the ECW brand. Now, obviously, you've known wrestling for a gazillion years because I know you well. So, do you how do you feel with the difference between what ECW was when it was like Polly Dangerously thing to the WWE that you or to the ECW that you were a part of? You know, I wasn't an ECW watcher, so okay. <clears throat> I wasn't really familiar, especially because what people don't realize, especially the the younger generation, um, when. I was doing wrestling. I first started getting into wrestling, which was 2000 is when I first started going to the school and everything. Um, being on the West Coast, there wasn't much. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy because the more I got involved, everyone was always trying to get to the East Coast or to travel in the Midwest. Like, that was, like, the thing. And until I really saw independent wrestling on that level it was I almost would get jealous that like we just didn't have anything on the west coast like we had our few couple like big companies but other than that there wasn't much you know and you'd always have we'd go to Mexico a lot like there was lucha you know that, that was which was great so um I don't know like I just didn't know things like ECW existed it was like WWF and WCW and I remember WCW I would just watch it like there was like I feel like I might correct me if I'm wrong but I feel like there was like a weird maybe just 30 minutes it was on before like Raw started or something it was like a weird like it wasn't a full hour or something I don't know something weird I would watch it then but as soon as Raw was on I was like I'm done with these people like no like you know, so for me, I was always just WWF kind of girl. So when I got involved and I was hired to the new ECW, I got to learn that way. I got to see who was who. And especially at that point, I had been in wrestling enough um, to kind of like I've heard these names. I heard that they were like whatever. So when I worked there and they had the, all the originals come back, it was really awesome because for somebody like myself coming from the West Coast that Really, the wrestling just wasn't at your disposal that much. It was so cool because now I was putting it together. And when I was watching the matches, it was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Like, this makes sense. Especially because when we first went on the road, we weren't traveling with SmackDown at first. Like, we would just meet up with them for TV day. So we had our own house shows. And 
to see how that audience was and how they were just like, wow, like we haven't seen Sandman or Sabu or RVD or Tommy Dreamer since like way back when. And now I got my kid. It was like you felt this energy and it was so cool. And so I felt like I really got to see that taste of what ECW was about because no offense, but I feel once we started doing the house shows with SmackDown, it was completely different. It was not the same as it was when we were first going on the road. But I'm so grateful, like I said, that I got to experience that because it was like I got to be right there when the fans were just like going nuts because a lot of times we would be in really small places when we first were going, you know, and I I think the way it was is they tried to go to a lot of places that they would run back in the day. So they were smaller places. So it was kind of like this punk rock feeling, which is, I guess, the vibe I've always gotten anyways, that ECW was this, like, punk rock version of wrestling. So, um, you know, that's that's – I know that doesn't really answer your question, but that was my experience with all of it. Yeah. And it kind of made me sad to see it just ended up evolving into, like, just another, like, division, you know. Because even yeah. when I first – when we first teamed up with SmackDown and everything, I still feel there was elements of it that was still there. But then, like, slowly it just started getting stripped away. And it's like, oh, man. Oh. All the uniqueness. <laughs> yeah. That, like, I remember when I was growing up, I must have been – 12, 13, 14, maybe that age range. And like ECW was on at like three o'clock in the morning. Like it wasn't on on a regular time or anything like that that you could catch it. So it was like, you know, okay, I'm staying at a friend's house this weekend. I just happened to catch it on or something, you know, it wasn't something that I could watch all the time. So I definitely feel like it was that punk rock version as well. When you were doing the house shows before WWE brought you back in with the SmackDown house shows, did you get to perform at all at the ECW Arena in Philadelphia? Um, I think I did. I think I did because I remember pulling up, and I was like, I've been here before. I've yeah. been here before. And I was like, wait a minute. I know this place. And then when I kept saying that, because at that point – um. You know, I did um, the independent thing for five years before Mm -hmm. I got signed to WWE. But, again, being on the West Coast, it was mostly, like, up and down the West Coast, um, Texas, and Mexico, because that's just all there kind of was, like, what was ever in driving distance. And um, when I went to OVW, that's when I would hear people, like, talk about, like, you know, that they would, you know, oh, I went to wrestling. When I was a kid – I used to see them, da da da, and it's like, wait, what? You got to see that? Like, I didn't get to see that. I had to watch it on TV. Like, what are you talking about? So, um, when the big up until I went to Kentucky or VW for me experience was going to good old WEW, which for those of you out there that don't know, um, Francine and I talk about it all the time and we goof on it. It was pretty much, it was pro wrestling, fun pro wrestling with these fun, silly characters. But I guess they had a setup to where to have it on pay-per-view, they had to have porn in it. So it was like a match. And then all of a sudden, like, if you change the channel, it was porn for a few minutes. 
And then, like, he changed it to the back. It was so weird. And a lot of girls came out of there. Girls like Mickey James, uh, you know, Francine, myself, SoCal Val, um, ODB I met there. Um, that's when I first met Amber O'Neill and Chrissy Vane. Like, you almost name it. And girls of that era, they were a part of that damn promotion. Yeah. And so I ahead, which is what I love. I love yeah. the camp of it all. Oh, Daphne was there too. Gorgeous George. Uh, oh, anyone. Like, you just girls of that era. Yeah. At some point. Because that's the only place you could go where they paid you at least a little bit more than $20. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit more. And I remember their big deal was when I was working for them was like, oh, the old ECW arena. And again, I wasn't so familiar with it. So I wasn't like, ooh, I was just like, oh, okay, that ECW thing. So when I pulled up, I was like, wait a second. So I feel like I did. (laughs) It was so funny, um, people watching and listening. We were chatting before, and I just don't know dates or times or anything about any of this stuff. Of my own career. So, um, yeah. And it's not to be like, oh, I didn't care, right? It's just, it's a lot. And for me, I don't know about you, but one of the things that lured me to want to embrace wrestling was to me it was very like theater. And when you do theater, it's like one and done. Like once you're, even if you're doing the same play, in this case the same match in different cities, it's still a different audience. And so it's like you get it done and you're done and then you move on. So I regret kind of in a way that I did that because I don't know where I've traveled. I'd like to know. Like, did I go to all states? I don't know. Maybe. Um, I'd like to know. Like, what, like I don't know. It's just I don't know. But at the same time, it was just like that kind of just was my attitude. It's like, okay, what's the next? Where's, where's the next gig at? What are we going to do? What city? Okay, blah, 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 you know. Well, when you're traveling all the time, I mean, obviously, WWE has quite a different schedule than the independent independence. You're, you know, trying to get bookings, you know, maybe Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Maybe there's a few places that run during the week, but that's very unlikely. But for WWE, I mean, you're on the road five to six days of the week. So you are in a different town every day. It's hard. I would imagine hard to remember. I mean, for me, like you said, dates are hard. Like, if you're like, hey, remember this time we were in this city? I could be like, okay, this city, yeah, I got that. But dates, forget it. <laughs> I'm totally have no idea. Like, my husband will bring up something, and he'll be like, blah, 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 when we went here. And I'm like, I don't remember. He's like, it was this time. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I got it now. But, yeah, and he, he totally thinks I'm crazy, and how can I be a wrestling fan when I can't remember what happened at WrestleMania 22? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. Like it doesn't like you said it's it's on to the next thing, you know? Like there's certain matches and certain things that I enjoy like not even just my career like saying WWE for example. Like I remember Shawn Michaels versus Ric Flair when Ric Flair retired. That's one of my favorite matches of all time. I remember that. I know the outcome of that. But if you right. have anything else on the card, it was a WrestleMania, so I'm sure the Undertaker was on there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I don't know. It just doesn't stick with me. So I totally get where you're coming from on that. Well, for me, it's more like it's experiences. So it's like I can remember almost to the T different moment. Like, but like if someone would be like, oh, it was in this city or this state, that's where I struggle with. Mm-hmm. I remember the moment, but I just, where was that again? And like I mentioned to you before, it was like sometimes I'll blend two together because they kind of like got the same vibe. It's like, wait yeah. a minute. No, that was two different times. Like, <laughs> but I get jealous of these old timers that are like, back in 72 when I was at this net arena. Da, da, da. And it's like, dude, how do you remember all of that? Like, that's a lot. It is. <laughs> I would definitely be envious of that too because I mean, I'm on the same wavelength as far as that's concerned. (laughs) Like, I remember some things, but not everything. But, of course, you actually got to have a WrestleMania moment, which we talked about prior to going on, which was in WrestleMania 23 in Detroit. What do you remember about your WrestleMania moment? You know, there was a lot of drama going on backstage. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel I didn't get to enjoy the actual performance side of WrestleMania, unfortunately, it just felt like any other TV taping day for me. Hmm. It doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. It doesn't mean I didn't have fun. But that's how it felt. Yeah. But what, when I think of WrestleMania, I think of the behind-the-scenes stuff that was going on, not just the bad, but the good, too. My sister, she was a senior in high school at the time. So I was able to be like fancy sister and I flew her in and, um, you know, not only did she get to be in the, like the VIP at WrestleMania itself, but at the hotel afterwards, you know, that's where she got to meet because she was a wrestling fan as well. We watched it together. So she always loved Goldust when she was a little girl. So she got to meet Goldust and things like that. So that was really cool that. I was able, cause I remember when we were little and we would watch wrestling like after church and stuff, I would just be like, I'm going to be there one day. Watch. I'm going to be there. So it was really cool to like, that was my big, that was my WrestleMania moment that I was actually there employed and I was able to bring her in and just sh- share that part of my world with her because, and I needed that because at the time that's when me and Batista were having issues backstage and it was really stressful because I didn't know. First of all, I'm in my 20s. Like, hello. <laughs> I'm trying to figure things out in life, let alone I am, like, living my childhood dream. So that's intense. And then, like, I'm having these, like, little high school issues with people and just, like, was flipping my world upside down. So my sister and I have this, like, awesome relationship. And even though we're nine years apart, it was, like, I needed her to physically be there for me to, like, give me that recharge. because. At times, it it was rough, but um, another moment I love is um, Cherry. If you remember Cherry from Deuce and Domino, uh, she's a friend of mine. We still keep in touch to this day, and her and I, like, 
were kind of got enough of like hanging out at the hotel bar with everybody. And we just went and got into our bathing suits and went to the hot tub and we we're just drinking champagne and just being like, wow, we're here. This is awesome. And it was just like me and her. That's it. And um, that picture is online. I think it was on my Facebook. People have sent it to me before. So if you see a picture of me and Sherry and we're going like this, that's what it's from. <laughs> and that was really cool too, because again, there was so much good and negative going on at that time. It was so intense. It meant so much to me just to have that moment to like embrace it with somebody who, you know, is my friend. We're in it together. Like no distractions. We're just like truly we're in the moment. And so that to me is what WrestleMania meant to me. Not so much the performance, which sucks, but it doesn't really though because it's all it's your experience it's what you got out of it so if if more behind the scenes being with your sister and your friend is more important to you and that's the moment then that's the moment for you it doesn't matter i mean what happened in front of the stage it's what's important to you well when i was first starting in uh, training and wrestling mm-hmm. i would hear these guys that had been doing it for a few years some of them have gone you know we're doing well in Mexico or they went to Japan. So that was like a big deal. And I'd always hear these stories, man. They'd be like, Oh, when someone's so cute and all these stories. And that's what made me really fall in love with wrestling because there I was seeing what it's about. Okay. You train, you got to like eventually get out there at the time, send your tapes out, (laughs) try to get booking. So I was, I already knew what the deal was, but the hook, line, and sinker was when I would watch these dudes, their eyes light up. And they had these road stories. And I was just like, that is so freaking cool. And then, like, you're traveling and you're performing in different places. It was just so exciting to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's exactly – I've never thought about it until, like, you've asked me the question. It's like, I did have my WrestleMania moment because that's what I signed up for were those, like, those stories in the jacuzzi, having Danielle there. She's meeting gold dust. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it is. Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> I'm glad I could bring up some positive memories. <laughs> Hopefully we can block out some of those negative ones there. Yeah, spent enough time with them. Moving yeah, on. Exactly. Well, speaking, let's talk some more about your uh, wrestling career. Because after you left uh, WWE and ECW brand, you went to TNA and you were part of the Latin American Exchange with Homicide Hernandez and Hector Guerrero for one point in time was there as well. And how was that? What was the difference between going from WWE to TNA at that time? You know, this is so cool that you're bringing this up because I just talked about this on Shelly Live on VOC Nation. Um, you know, the people always ask me that. What's the difference? And my answer for them always has been like, I can't really compare them because they're two different completely times, like in, like who I was. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was Ariel in that whole experience, it was like, again, that was my first experience with, like, how pro wrestling works. I didn't get to do the whole indie thing before, you know, the way everyone else seemed to. Right. So that was my first experience. And so there's a lot of learning. There was a lot of like accepting how certain things are and that's just it, whether I like it or not. So I thought going to TNA, no offense to them, but you know, it was like they were like the, the lesser, I guess. Mm-hmm. I thought, 
awesome. Pressure's off. This is just TNA. I've survived in WWE. Even though I got fired, I knew what the consequences were probably going to be when I opened my mouth. So, like, whatever. So I went into it just to have fun. And just to, like, embrace it. And, yeah, there were some times where, like, there were some, like, lame moments. But what was so cool about LAX and why they were so special to me is when I was in, when I was in WWE, me and Kevin Thorne would butt heads a lot. Like, I would straight up be yelling at him backstage. And we'd go out there, and there was, like, rumors where we were, like, sleeping together. I was like, damn, we do a good job because I don't like him. Like, ew. <laughs> like, I was, like... I would mess with him, like, when he would dip me, and then he'd have me go, like, right here. I would talk crap to him because we would be fighting. Oh, and, uh, yeah, and no one would never know except the people backstage. And um, so when I felt I was meshing well with Homicide and Hernandez, to me, that was, like, a dream. I was like, dude, because when – I would be on my off time in WWE. I would go to the gym in Louisville, Kentucky. Shout out LAC. LAC is what it's called. (laughs) And um, they had this cardio theater wall where you can, like, there's all these TVs, and you just pick which one you want to listen to, put your earbuds on. So that's when I started to see what TNA was all about because they started to, like, get more traction, you know, and things like that. I had no idea, like, who they were or anything. And that's when I saw LAX for the first time, and that they had Conan with them. Mm-hmm. And being that I come from SoCal, I'm very Mexican, I'm very Chola, which is like a Latina gangsta. I'm a Chola vampire people, okay? And um, I was just like, dude, if for some reason something were to ever happen, I could see myself with them, and this is how I'd walk out. This is what I would wear. This is what I would do. And I watched their matches and I would almost like a psycho, like pretend I was there and how I would react. So when I got fired, um, TNA had hit me up and they're like, hey, you know, come talk to us, whatever. And at the time, Frankie Kazarian was there and he was one of my first trainers. So I thought a cool full circle would be pitching an idea to be his manager so I can work with him kind of like my whole wrestling circle, full circle vibes. Yeah. And they were like, oh, okay, whatever. And then later they pulled me aside. They're like, actually, we have this other idea we were kind of thinking with this LAX. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is crazy. Because even though I want to go and manage Frankie, I would be at that cardio theater. like, And I've been practicing for this. I've literally been practicing for this. And I was like, oh, okay, trying to play it all cool or whatever. And so when it happened, I was just like, dude, this is amazing. Like, I've already been practicing <laughs> like a little psycho for this. So I had so much fun. We would bust balls. We would tell – we had inside jokes. Uh, we would make fun of other people, not in, like, to, like, hurt their feelings, but, they, like, crack busting balls to people's faces. We were, like, these, like, these troublemakers. It was so awesome, and I had so much fun. And it sucked when I quit, but I just kind of felt like enough's enough, and that's what's up. But that's what the difference is. And even when I left TNA, um, my dogs and I, we were on the dog whisperer. And when they asked me for footage to that they can get cleared to, like, put on the show, I gave them nothing from WWE. I only gave them TNA references. So even though I kind of was, like, uh, on TNA, like, and how they were running things, and that's why I left ultimately. 
um, I still, it was so precious of a time for me and I needed that because WWE broke my heart so much that I wanted to like give them the credit. I wanted them, I wanted Dog Whisper to use their stuff. And anytime people would hit me up about like doing something, I mean, I always give them that. And it was a long time until I actually embraced the Ariel, Ariel character because of that. So that's what the big difference is, is just like, that's kind of what more along the lines of what I like signed up for, if that makes sense. Oh, totally sense. That's crazy. I didn't even know that you were on the Dog Whisperer. How was the experience there? Oh, my goodness. My dogs, Fred and Ethel Mertz, rest in peace. Mertz is now with Ethel. Um, they were naughty when they were younger. Yeah. Ethel, she would pull a lot on her leash to where we had a harness for her. And she started to get, like, a groove on her from, like, the harness like, pushing. And then Fred, when he was a puppy, um, somebody that we knew – uh, broke his leg on purpose. So he had issues to where I had to really retrain him really because for a really long time, he wouldn't let anyone near me. He would just always try to bite them. So it was really hard, especially because I would take him with me just starting in wrestling and everything. And here he is trying to bite everybody. So, um, but in a way it worked out because he felt that energy and some of those people who he would always try to bite, as time went on, I was like, ooh, Fred, now I get it. <laughs> so so um, that was the thing with him. And um, it was so crazy going back to just like I embraced life and when it throws at me. Mm-hmm. Um, we applied for it. And I had this dream that I was walking with this man with white pants. And I had Ethel and we were walking. And I was real frustrated with her. And then he just went, look, sit. And I just saw his finger and his white pants and she sat and I was like, Oh my gosh. And so the next day the dog whisperer called me and they were like, Oh, we're going to come and see. If we, and I was like, like a psycho. I was like, Oh, we're going to get it. Cause I had this dream. I don't care if you think I'm crazy. Like you guys are going to cover us. <laughs> so um, when Caesar was there, it was weird because reality TV is so fixed, but my experience with the dog whisperer was like, they were like, okay, so we're going to get all this B-roll stuff. And then we're going to put you in another room in our own home. He's like, and then Caesar's going to be over here because we want it to be real when you first walk in with it. And they did. And it was so cool because reality TV, you know. But um, I just remember being very taken back by him. Like, there was something about his vibe. I was just like, like, what is this man, Caesar, Milan? And so, and not like an attractive, like I'm attracted to him. It was just like a, whoa, like. What is this about? Yeah. So I found so much healing through that. And the things that he taught us, they worked. And there was times it was challenging. But what ended up happening is one of the things he told us is before you even deal with them, if you're stressed out, they're going to feel it. So if you have to, before you open that door, take a deep breath and then go in the room. So I would find that I started to slow down. And I would when I'd be anxious, I didn't want to like walk them and then it's this whole thing where they're stressing me out. So I would take a deep breath. I'd force myself to have that moment. So before I knew it, I started applying that in my real life. And then I started applying it to people who are very difficult to deal with. And then all of a sudden I started to see that things weren't bothering me as much. So that dog whisper experience not only taught me how to connect with the Mertzes, but in understanding 
how it all worked with energy. It helped me with my people skills. Oh, that's fantastic that that like you went in for one thing, but it ended up being something that changed pretty much your whole life in that aspect because it was the way you were dealing with yourself and with other people as well. Absolutely. It was, God bless the dog whisperer, man. (laughs) Wherever you are, Caesar. (laughs) Now, some more stuff that I want to talk about with wrestling, though, is because we knew each other from a gazillion shows that we were a part of, but we rarely, rarely were together. But there were two times that we did work together. First, let's talk about one of the, it's, it's so weird when people ask me like, oh, what was your favorite show you ever did with wrestling? And I did some amazing, fun shows, but this show, there was 25,000 people, I think there was, and, like, I have pictures of, like, just a sea of people. We're in the mountains of Virginia, and it was Dukes of Hazard Fest, and people are like, what are you talking about? But the guy who played Cooter, actually, in <laughs> town, I know, what a weird name, but... Uh, I forgot about Cooter. <laughs> We met him, too. I have a picture of us with him. Um, in his hometown, of, he would do Dukes of Hazard Fest every year, and literally everybody that loved that show would come. And then, like, there would be, like, I don't know, four matches a day, like nothing crazy. And it was me versus Amber O'Neill with you as a special guest referee. And, like, I'm pretty old-school wrestling style, but, like, you had me beat because, like, Carney is not a language <laughs> I know very well. But you were, like, constantly in the match telling things to me and Amber and Carney, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is so amazing because I never, ever had somebody speak Carney to me actually in the match. And, like, I had to, like, think about it a little bit. And that was one of the rare occasions that I was actually a baby face. And I loved it. <laughs> with you and Amber those, that weekend. Your outfit, I remember, was really cute. Oh, yeah. I had, like, fake leather chaps on with one of the uh, General Elite t-shirts that I had got. It was so cute. Like, that show was wild because it wasn't even just about the wrestling. It was about the whole festivities, yeah. the people there, meeting Daisy Duke herself. Yeah. <laughs> And that was interesting because I just, I feel, I just had a really cool moment with her. Let's just say that. And um, it was just so much fun. And I loved being a referee because I, as being a wrestling fan, for some reason, the refs always stood out to me. I don't know if it was just because I just always looked at wrestling as live theater. So there's another character to pay attention to or whatever. But, um, I just love being a referee. I wish I could have been a referee more when I kind of, I think I started doing the referee stuff because I think it was like somebody didn't have enough for me to wrestle at some like indie show. I was like, I'll ref. And it was was just like over from there. And I've always had good relationships with referees in my career. I've always bonded with them really well and used them. So when I naturally was the referee, I just, I had to be, and when we did that Dukes of Hazard show, that was like, in a time in my life, it was really weird. Cause there was like a lot of weird, weird things going on in my life. But I, even though there was all that weirdness going on, there was this, like, I, I found my happiness again. 
And I had lost it for a really long time just because being disappointed in life. Mm -hmm. So I just like remember being like, like, I miss that girl. I'm trying to get back to that version of me actually, because I got disappointed all over again. But, um, so when I was in there, I just was having, it was pure joy. Like I thought it was so awesome. I was the rep. I thought it was so awesome. I was the Dukes of Hazard. I just, the energy that was there, it was just, it was a good old time, man. <laughs> you know, they're the good old boys and we had a good old time. Like literally, I mean, like you said, like it, the whole experience. I I don't know if you got to, to check out when they were doing the car races with the general. Oh yeah. And I mean, it's, I did that festival, I think, four years in a row or something, and I loved it every time. And I think it was the year that you refereed, actually, Daisy Duke's real-life daughters actually walked me to the ring. And, like, because I was – me, I was always a heel, like, 99% of the time, you know. So I did not know how to get over with this crowd except for by wearing a General Lee T-shirt. I didn't know, like, you can't really – to a group of people who don't really understand wrestling – per se, you know, maybe a few do, but not the whole crowd for sure. So I was like, how do I get over? And I asked Daisy's daughters who were the sweetest little girls in the world. I mean, they were probably 15 at the time ish. And they walked me to the ring and I was super over after that. Everybody loved me. <laughs> oh, this just made this the easiest match in the world. And of course, working with Amber O'Neill, of course, and you are simple, easy all the time. So much fun. And you know, it's crazy to me that you say like you were in like, a couple of different times and you've said that you've been in like these really difficult spots. But to me, like the Shelly Martinez that I've always known and I've always been around has always been this light, positive person. And like, for me, that's like, anytime I talk about Shelly, I'm like, Oh, she's so positive and I absolutely love her and like everything. So for you, <laughs> like you were coming out of a difficult time that to me, I'm just like, she didn't show that at all when we were there, you know? Well, you got to go through it to find the positive. That's the thing. And when you like you and I started being in shows and stuff like that, like I said, that was a time where like I was going back into wrestling with a completely different like energy into it because I was finally like not butthurt anymore about a lot of different things. And I found a lot of healing and a lot of disappointments that I had, like I was dealing with. And, you know, so the outcome was I fell back in love with wrestling I just wanted to have fun and be able to do it for a living because um, somebody once told me, as long as you have fans, you can make money. <laughs> so because I thought because I wasn't on TV, like, who's going to book me? Like, really? So during that time, that's when I just was like, I love what I do. Even though there's all these other elements that were going around, it's like, I still, I loved what I do. And that's why it was so sad to me when eventually I decided to stop wrestling because mm -hmm. I didn't love it anymore. I, in fact, I hated it and I was over it and I only did it for the last like year I did it because I didn't know what else to do. Like, I was like, what else am I going to do? Oh, that's terrible. I know. That's why I knew it was time to go. Yeah. <laughs> they say when you don't have the passion to do something anymore, then, you know, you're not going to be happy with it. So if that makes your soul feel more, I guess, complete is to just stop because you're so miserable, then that's what you got to do. That's what the world's telling you. It's your time, you know? It's just funny to me because, you know, I'm pretty vocal online, especially like on my Twitter about how I feel and whatever. And it's so funny that like some people have this perception that I'm just like this disgruntled jelly, all bitter. And it's like, 
you know it's okay to feel. You know it's okay to say you're disappointed. Like, you don't see me be disgruntled, Shelly, and then just stay that way or get worse. Like, you got to go through it, you know? And wrestling was so personal to me and so a part of me. But I always knew it was just a part of me. And I think that saved me a lot. And what bothered me along all that way was just seeing people put, like, their whole importance on. If I don't get to WWE, I'm not worth it. And it's like, no, dude, there's only so many spots. It's math. There's literally only so many spots. It has nothing to do with whatever and you know, so it's just, it's funny to me that people just kind of like, oh, it's like, dude, the reason why I've been so bitter about it, because I freaking loved wrestling so effing much. I gave up so much of my life for wrestling. So whatever. I just roll my eyes at it now, but it's just like, dude, you don't even know. (laughs) Like I said, every time that I've been around you, you've been completely positive. And like, I understand people go through things. It's life, life happens, you know? But every time I've been around you, it's been nothing but positive in in my, you know, my experiences. And another one of my experiences that I have with you, I know I told you a little bit about this and you totally didn't remember this at all. <laughs> there was one time, it was WrestleMania 28 weekend in Miami. I, I, I'm i going to tell my little story of it and then add your, add your little pieces in too. So when I, I was asked, by uh, Gabe Sapolsky, he was like, hey, do you want to work with the scene tonight at Evolve? And I'm like, hell yeah. Like, I was thinking I was just coming to WrestleMania weekend. I was just going to have a blast running around the city. At that time, I wasn't even going to WrestleMania. I somehow ended up with tickets, but I didn't have tickets going into that weekend. I was just going to have a great time. And uh, so I was like, yeah, definitely. He's like, okay, you're going to be managing with Shelly and Amber. And I was like, oh, perfect. Love both of them. Makes it fun and easy for me. So as I'm standing there, Larry Dallas comes over to me and he's like, hey, I totally thought he was joking. I mean, anybody who knows Larry Dallas knows that a lot of times he's just pranking you. So he goes, uh, you want to take uh, Tommy Dreamer's pile driver tonight? And reminder, I didn't know what was going on at that point. I just knew I was managing with, with you and Amber. I was like, oh, yeah, sure, no problem, whatever. I would never agree to take a pile driver <laughs> anybody for most for the most part. A few minutes later, Tommy Dreamer comes up to me and he's like, hey, I'm so glad you're going to, you know, take the pile driver tonight. And I was like, what did I get myself into? Oh, my God. But I was like, okay, it's Tommy Dreamer. I'm going to be totally fine. Nothing's going to happen. And so we go back and we're planning the match. And you guys are in there. And so the whole spot with me and Amber is I run in. He's doing something to somebody. They got shit canned to the outside. And I get in the ring and. And I'm poking him in the chest, and he told me, he's like, just, you know, you're sassy, just give me the right, give me, like, the rights, you know. So I'm poking him in the chest, I'm like, you can't do that, blah, 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 blah. And then he grabs me, and I'm like, you can't hit a woman. And then there's very few times I remember commentary in my life, especially, it, like, wasn't over the loudspeakers either. It was like, it just, it, that moment got quiet, and all I could <laughs> was, uh, was the commentator. And he goes, apparently, Sassy Steffi has never watched ECW. And then Amber comes in, and she tries to smack him. He grabs her, and we did the ECW spot where he pulls us in. He makes out with us. And (laughs) I'm sorry, Tommy, if you're watching. (laughs) But he licks my eyeball. And (laughs) so then Amber gets – like, Amber somehow gets away, and he ends up giving me the pile driver. And uh, 
I don't know what the spot is, but like I'm in the corner selling, obviously, because I just got decimated by Tommy Dreamer by the pile driver. And you come in, try to throw like a, a punch or a smack or something. He catches it, turns you around and smacks your ass. And this is at Evolve. If anybody has a video of this, please get it to me because I've seen it once and I haven't seen it since. But, like, I just remember this, like, hilarious moment that all of us had with this big spot in, in Evolve. And that, I think that was the only time I ever worked for Evolve, actually. I think me, too. Because here's what I do remember. I remember I kept trying to get booked with them. Yeah. And they just would ignore me and ignore me. And then when I would see them, they're like, oh, surely. Like, well, dude, why don't you book me? Oh, yeah. No. So, Okay. I kind of remember. <laughs> I kind of do. I, I kind of do. Again, I'm just remembering during that time, I just remember all of this little, there's a lot that happened that weekend. Yeah. A lot. And it was, it was intense. And, um, yeah, dude. So, like, I kind of just feel like maybe I don't remember those little details because I was really going through it. There was, like, lots of drama. As I mentioned to you, I was chasing after some guy that was very unavailable. Okay. It was weird. Um, long story short, I ended up in some, like, car with this chick that was my friend at the time. And we ended up being at the WWE hotel where everyone was. And I was like, wait a minute. And she's like, come on, let's go over there and da-da-da. It's like Ric Flair and this. And then she started naming all these people. I was like, I don't want to go over there. I don't want to hang out with those people. <laughs> like, I'm not saying, like, whatever. It's just like, yeah. and my whole thing was, like, you, I was there not just for, like, the signing and the things I can do during, like, you know, like, little spots like that, whatever. Um, but I was there to hang out with my friends, you know? And so I remember, I didn't know what was going on. I just remember being in a car and we we're going further and further away from like where all my friends were waiting for like me to come hang out. And it was so weird. <laughs> well, that's the thing. If you haven't ever been, well, COVID aside, WrestleMania weekends in the past, they're crazy. There is so many different wrestling aspects going on. I mean, there's show after show after show after show. Plus, there's the WWE things that are going on if you're into that kind of vibe. And there's also, like, after parties going on, what other shows are going on. I mean, there's so much to do on a WrestleMania weekend, especially in Miami. That was, even for me, like, I don't remember anything specific. Like, I remember moments of that weekend, too. And it was crazy. And I actually missed my flight home, which was insane because I had gotten to the airport at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning, like, I went from WrestleMania st straight to the airport, and I still somehow missed my flight at, like, 9 a.m., so, <laughs> I mean, it was just a wild, wild weekend. I mean, that's what you expect when you go to WrestleMania weekends, I guess. It's just wildness. Well, I felt bad because that was, and I was just thinking about this, too. When I got to Miami, I realized I didn't bring my passport because I got booked to be in Canada to host a WrestleMania party and they already had my flight out of Miami and everything like that. And so when I got to Miami, I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't have my passport. Like, what am I going to do? Yeah. So what I ended up having to do was pay for a flight home from Miami and then have to cancel. And I felt so bad. And at that time, even though I was working like a lot, like as far as the Indies go, especially being here in Los Angeles, like, 
I was struggling big time, you know, big time. Um, my sister and I, we shared a studio apartment with my dogs. Like it was rough. And, um, it took me a while, but I finally paid those people back for like the deposit they paid me for the airfare and everything. And it sucked. So like, that's the other element about that. <laughs> which I remember is like, dude, like, it seems like I screwed these people over and I just like really didn't mean to. And the reason I was thinking about it recently was like, I did pay them off. Right. Like it was, I was like, wait, I did pay them. Right. Because I feel so like, like that's their story about me. Like when I get brought up, Oh, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that sucks. Damn it. If you're watching this, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Bernie and Adam. I'm sorry. Well, look, we're Canadian, so we forgive everything. I mean, I'm not really Canadian, <laughs> but I've lived here for long enough that I can say that I'm, you know, by osmosis, I guess. <laughs> but I trust me, they're, they're going to forgive you, especially if you tried to pay them back. Now, another thing that I want to talk about, because we both, obviously with wrestling, we knew of VOC Nation, and now we're both a part of VOC. So how did you come to do your podcast with VOC Nation? Well, um, it started back in the day, Amber O'Neill and um, Angel Orsini Mm -hmm. had a podcast together. And then I, at the time, I had a website and I had members like I do now. And I would do um, like video chats, whatever. But the way I would do them was very podcast like, you know, even though it would be like a chat room and like kind of like how it is nowadays um, with live streams. Mm-hmm. The format of it was very podcasty to me. That's when I first started my, I now call it my Regal Beagle happy hour video chat. But I've been doing the Regal Beagle chat for a long ass time. And um, back when I was younger, I used to listen to talk radio and I would record it. And when they would take like a breath, I would correspond with them like if it was like talking to them. So I've always loved talk radio. So I just didn't know how to really go about it because podcasts weren't really like a thing yet, really. It was like here and there, whatever. And then that's when I was like, VOC Nation. And then I did one with Amber for a little bit. And then her schedule didn't allow her to like have the time for it anymore. So then I just kind of evolved it and then just went from there. And I started doing my, um, I had Fun Time Radio, Martinez Girls Radio, Save Wrestling Podcast. Um, and then because of that, and then that was during the time where I was back in the Indies, it was really awesome because then I would see them at conventions or, or whatever. So I felt like I was able to really start building that kind of relationship with them, not just be somebody who never meets them or ever sees them, but still is on their network. So it was really cool. It was like, Yay, Yeah, <laughs> I had known them forever, and I went to um, broadcasting school while I was in wrestling, and, like, they were telling me all the time, especially Bruce, like, why don't you just start a podcast and you can come on VOC? Start it, start it, start it, and I never did, and then my husband was the one that was like, hey, you know, you have some more time now that, you know, corona is happening, and, you know, do it, and I was like, okay, sure. And then Bruce just was like, yeah, you want to start a podcast? Come on VOC. We we still will enjoy having you here. And it's awesome. It's great to have another sister on the VOC with me. And now we get to do this podcast together to help promote them as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Shelly, I love talking to you, but let's go ahead and give everybody your rundown on, because I know you have a lot of links and 
I just want to make sure that everybody can go and check you out everywhere that you have available for them. Well, everyone, I've made it very simple because Bruce actually used to give me a hard time about it. He said, you have too many links. There's too many. (laughs) So if you want a rundown of pretty much all of my stuff, just go to Shelly'sLinks.com. It'll take you to a link tree, and you will see everything on there. But if you're interested in my exclusive content, my secret society, you can go to Shelly'sSecretSociety.com. And again, it'll take you to another link tree. And the reason why I have it set up that way is because you can sign up uh, via my official site, Patreon, and now an OnlyFans. And I also have a foot club, Shelly's Foot Club. You bet your boots or your foot. And uh, it's on there, too. So just go to Shelly'sLinks.com. Or, if, again, you want that exclusive con- um, content, just go to Shelly'sSecretSociety.com. Even my YouTube stuff is on um, Shelly's links and everything. Like, everything's on there. So just Shelly's links. Makes it easy. I like it. All right, Shelly, it's been such a blast to have you on. And best of luck in everything that you're doing. And to you and your podcast and your lovely setup. <laughs> Until next time, guys. Adios. This is Matt Hardy, and you are listening to the VOC Nation. Rock and Roll Union and North Step Productions, in conjunction with Boo Ray Athletics, City proudly present Jersey Shore Jam 2, May 15th, featuring As We Become Ghosts and Rat Rod. It's been a long, cold winter, and now it's time to rock. Also appearing, the Rock and Roll Union House Band, Shades of Grey, playing all of your favorites from the 60s to now. All COVID regulations will be in place. Tickets are available at eventbrite.com and are extremely limited, so get them before they run out. Doors open at 6 and showtime is at 7. Rat Rod, As We Become Ghosts, and Shades of Grey. Jersey Shore Jam 2, May 15th at Boo Ray, 201 South New York Avenue, Atlantic City. Did I mention there's free parking? Don't miss it. Rock and Roll Union for the past two years has been the place for rock and roll, new rock and roll, debuting rock and roll, and some of the old classics as well. We have welcomed guests from around the world, national artists, and more. We have excited many people by our live events. We've welcomed everybody into the fold, and we continue to do so on a weekly basis. Guys, that is Rock and Roll Union, and that is what we do for you. Saturdays, 6 p.m. Eastern, VOCNation.com. Since 2012, HIC Talk Radio has been bringing you the best of independent wrestling and wrestling on the worldwide scale with interviews and other segments now featuring the Wrestling Historian with Craig Legon every Thursday night at 6 p.m. at VOCNation.com or go to your Android or iPhone and type in VOC Nation Radio Network and subscribe to the greatest wrestling podcast network in the world. Listen to HIAC Wrestling Podcast today. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer The Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact. Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez. And former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling With History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern. And, of course, In the Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks 
and WCW alum, The Maestro. And by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter, too, at VOC Nation. Hola, this is your amiga, Shelly from Cali. To let you know, you can catch me here on VOC Nation for Shelly Live. You never know what the hell I'm going to be talking about. Sometimes I have guests. Sometimes I let you on in the cheese mess, spill a little tea. Sometimes I cry. You have to tune in to find out why. And I also take your calls. I love chatting with you guys and seeing what the hell you guys are thinking. So meet me here on the VOC Nation. Be there or be square. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network.